Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. This episode is hosted by Jennifer Morrison. Jen has over 11 years of experience as an educator and has received her Master's of Educational Leadership from High Tech High Graduate School of Education in San Diego, California. Jen possesses extensive experience in project-based and experiential learning and design thinking. Jen spent many years teaching middle and high school students, which provided her with a foundational love of learning and a passion for exploration in personal growth. Lead, learning designer, and strategist with Inception U, Jen provides valued leadership, guidance, meaningful connections, and an engaging learning environment. One of the most inspiring episodes we've had. Join Jen Morrison with her guest, Jessie Bartlett. Take it away, Jen. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. My name is Jen Morrison, and I'm a learning designer. I work with incredible companies here in Calgary, uh, Inception U and Kaizen Educational Services to create learning experiences that are meaningful, impactful, and also really relevant to the learners that are in the room. And today I'm really excited to uh, have Jesse Bartlett with me, uh, who is the Director of Sales and Strategic Partnerships at Virtual Gurus. Uh, I've met Jesse, uh, oh gosh, I want to say about six months ago. And uh, every opportunity that I've had to have a conversation with him or see him in his uh, in his groove at Virtual Gurus has been has been really amazing. So Jesse, I want to uh, you know invite you in and, and thanks for being here with us today. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So Jesse, let's just set the stage for the, the audience um, and those who are listening and watching. Can you just share a little bit about your background? Anything about where you grew up? Where did you basically? Root yourself as a kid sure. uh, before you became an adult. Sure. Oh, long, long story. Um, you know, as a kid, we moved around a lot. And, you know, it was tough when I was a kid to do that. But looking back, I feel like it was a bit of a education for me to, to have to make new friends and to have to move around and to, to learn about new people in, in new areas. So I, you know, looking back at it now, it was actually a lot of fun. But at the time, it was tough. We, you know, we, I was born in, in British Columbia. We moved around the lower mainland for a lot of time. Um, we moved to Alberta when I was 10 years old, you know, in several places in Alberta. My dad worked in oil and gas, so we moved around a lot. I settled in Calgary in 20 or 2001. My wife shortly after that, and the rest is history. We're here 2023, and I'm still enjoying Calgary and um, all that it has to offer. It's such a beautiful place. But, you know, when I'm, when I'm not at work, I, I'm a, I'm a family man, so I'm either with my kids out having fun or enjoying being outdoors. You know, when I'm not working, we like to travel a lot. So, you know, doing things like family trips to Mexico or camping trips is, is the highlight of, of my life for sure. Well, that sounds, that sounds amazing. And, and thank you for sharing that. Wondering if you can tell me, you know, even, even though you were moving around quite a bit as a kid and all of these different, you know, areas of, Alberta and BC, what were things that you found yourself uh, really interested in or drawn to? And then on the flip side of that, were there things that you for sure knew that you didn't want to do or weren't interested in? Sure. Great question. I mean, as a kid, 
I mean, you always want to fit in, right? Like you, you want to be part of a group. You want to have your, your group of buddies. So, you know, sport was always an easier way to be introduced to larger groups of people. So, you know, for myself playing baseball or hockey or boxing or any of the sports that, you know, kind of got me involved with other people was really crucial to, you know, getting acclimated to a new place, right? Like it's scary going to a new school and not knowing anyone. But having that common bond over a sport made it pretty easy to make friends quite quickly. But, you know, on the flip side, too, is you get to, you know, meeting large groups, you, you understand kind of what they're into and what they're not into. You know, so I was always really big on the sport part of it. But hanging out in large groups made me pretty nervous as a kid. And, and you know, in that kind of vulnerable time in your life, that kind of 13 to 19, I definitely realized what I didn't want to do, which was you know, get in trouble, get in, hang out with the wrong kids or, you know, experimenting with things that I'd regret later on. But that was also a little easier for me, I feel, because because we moved around so much, there wasn't a lot of pressure on me by, you know, these groups to do things because I just wasn't involved. And so when I think the part that sticks out to me the most is when I found where I felt like I was the most at home was when I walked into the boxing gym. You know, it's a pretty intimidating spot. I was 10 years old. It smelled horribly, but the second I was there, I just knew I, there was just something in me that was like, you're, you're home. And I felt comfortable there. I felt safe there. I mean, I spent a lot of time. It was almost like free after school care for my parents, just going to the gym and staying, being there meant not being in other places that were going to get me in trouble. You know, and I wish I could say that that was the case forever, but it wasn't, you know, I did manage myself in in some trouble but what always pulled me back to the to being a better person was the boxing and was through sport and you know knowing that there was a goal in mind and something that I wanted to do and achieve and when I wasn't working towards that goal I knew I was just not living the life that I wanted to live that's amazing and thank you for sharing that i really appreciate uh, that at such a young age at 10 there was an awareness and an inner knowing of something feeling right versus something feeling not. And uh, the boxing, and I can, you know, I will say I've never, I mean, I've boxed like a little bit, but I've never actually been in an environment like that. And maybe I need to step into it because I feel like it's outside of my comfort zone. Uh, And it is intimidating, but that's really incredible that, that there was an awareness for you of something feeling good and feeling right and something not feeling good and not feeling right. So, you know, with with boxing and making those connections, did you find that you started to build some some really interesting friendships or, you know, mentorship relationships with people in that environment? Uh, And is there anything that stands out in particular that you can think of now where you are with your career uh, that has helped to inform that? So any, any mentorships or relationships during that time specifically with boxing that has really stuck with you and lessons that you've learned? Yeah, believe it or not. And it wasn't another boxer. I mean, the, the other boxers and the coaches were all instrumental. Don't get me wrong. They, you know, they were good role models. They were people to look up to. They were, they were doing what I wanted to do. But when I started to really get in trouble, um, there was this RCMP officer. His name was Constable AJ Mann. And I don't know what he saw in me, but anytime, you know, there were several times I had run-ins with the police or you know, getting in trouble where, you know, he, he came to me one time and was like, kid, 
you are headed down the wrong area. And if you want to get in trouble and live this life, you are this close to going there. He's like, but the good news is, is like, you're not a total waste. It's like, you still have it in you. If you decide right now just to cut all of this BS out, you can do something with your life. And at the time, it really fell on deaf ears. I was like, yeah, whatever, constable. But about 10 years later or 12 years later, I actually saw him at the airport at the carousel to get the luggage. And we made eye contact for a moment. And uh, I just thought, I have to take this opportunity. So I just, I walked over to him. Not a single word was said. We just shook hands for a moment and parted ways. And it was, you know, it was huge for me and a very proud moment in my life because it was almost like saying like, man, I, I made it. Like I didn't go down the track that you were so worried about me going down in that small split second that you decided to give me some advice actually carried and echoed through my whole life. And I just remember thinking like, why does this guy care? Like, you know, what, he has no reason to like, what does he see in me that no one else sees in me? And like, I think he just, he must've been a troubled kid too. And just felt like a little bit of advice will go a long way. And it truly did. Like I said, even to this day, I still remember thinking like, why? You know, there's got, if he sees it, this, this police officer, this super smart, intelligent, you know, proud man sees something that I don't, but it just, it was like in the back of my mind, I always knew there was a little something at least worth it in me to keep going. That's so wonderful. And it, it seems very vivid for you, that memory, oh, right? Of like, like that yesterday. moment in time. Yeah. And, and how incredible uh, that the universe or however you want to think of it brought you together later on where you could have that connection and where he could see and understand where you were and, and you could express some gratitude in that moment. So that's so, that's so raw and real. Thank you for sharing that. And I, I, I'm not surprised in a sense because knowing you for the short time that I have and, and understanding more about your story and, and the work that you're doing now with virtual gurus and also, you know, the family that you're, that you're building, uh, with your wife and two children, I, it's, it, it's not surprising that you are the person that you are and that you've been able to take the steps forward that you have to, to create the life that you want. So on that note, I'm curious, um, because it seems to me that the pattern that I've noticed with you is this ability to adapt and this ability to take a situation as it comes, uh, to uh, not overplan, to not overthink something and to just roll with things. Can you share with me? I mean, because it seems like that's just innately a part of who you are. Can you share how how that has maybe shifted and, and evolved over your professional career because i know especially in you know the tech ecosystem or in situations where you're having to present to a group of people or investors or you're having to you know speak to people about the business that you're working in and for sometimes there's this thinking of well we have to over prepare and i i think that you're sort of on the opposite end of that so Definitely. just talk me through the, evolu- the evolution of this adaptation for you professionally and, um, and how, how that's informing also what you're doing now. Great question, Jen. You know, and, and I can link this all back to a, a boxing analogy and it's called being on the ropes, right? Is when you're on the ropes, it's a pretty precarious situation. And that's like any time in life that we're all, you know, we're all just trying to do our best. 
And if, but if you don't give up and you just roll with those punches and you make the best out of every shot that comes your way, then you're still in the fight. The fight's only over when you quit, not when you get knocked down, not when you get hurt, when you quit, right? So as long as you just never, ever quit, you're still in the fight. You know, you might not be winning, but you haven't quit. And so that level of understanding and that approach to being prepared has traveled through my life and into work where, you know, there was a time where I thought I got to plan all the work and then I got to work this plan every day. But then I realized that you can never plan for anything and nothing ever goes to plan. So the best plan would to be not have a plan and to roll with the punches, right? So, you know, you go to a presentation and you're like, oh, I'm going to answer all these questions, but they never get asked. So it was felt easier for me to not plan and to just to trust myself and to know that I was prepared and ready to answer any question or to do anything that I needed to do, but I didn't need a plan. And, you know, I say this to my wife all the time and she thinks I'm nuts uh, because, you know, not having that plan is freedom for me. You know, being able to show up every day at work and just be like, you know what? I don't care what happens. I don't care if this place is on fire when I get here. I know that I can handle it. I know that I have a great team around me so that any blind spots that I may have, they're going to point out to me or any weaknesses I have, they're going to, they're going to, you know, kind of backfill and, and be there as my team. And then, you know, working for someone like Bobby is, it's so inspirational because I, I feel like I have a bit of a story to tell. And, you know, for some people, it might seem kind of rough. And then I meet people like Bobby who, you know, have lived through and persevered through so much that it almost, for me to complain or to say that I had it rough uh, is, is just not going to fly. Right. So being around other people that, you know, have pulled themselves out of a bad situation and to turn it into a great situation is so inspiring to me. that it just, you know, I just, I want to be here. I want to be the guy. I want to be responsible. I want people to look to me when things go bad or when things go right. But I want them to look to me. Like I, I want to be the guy that steps up for people and stands up for people. So when I met Bobby and she told me what she was doing at Virtual Gurus and that it was a social mission company first, it just resonated so much with me. It was like, you know, these, there's, Folks in the world who deserve the same chance that we have, and they're not getting it. And what am I going to do about it? You know, it's, it's easy to say, oh, I want to help or I want to do good work. And then, you know, just go back to doing your normal stuff. But every day at Virtual Gurus, we do good work. And I'm so proud of it. You know, we're, we're helping people who have been traditionally marginalized or underrepresented find a job. And I don't know about you, but I put so much emphasis into what I do as to me as a person that they're directly correlated. So if I couldn't get a job or I couldn't express myself in that way, it would be devastating. So you think you put yourself in someone, someone else's shoes where, you know, you're living in some remote part of Alberta or BC or somewhere, and you're at the age now where you're ready to kind of leave the nest, but there's not a lot of opportunity for you. You know, where can you go and show up as yourself and still move yourself forward? And that is why I think I forever have an appreciation for Bobby and what we do here. But I'm just always going to be proud of the fact that I showed up to work every day and to help people. You know, we can make money and that's great. And we can help people at the same time. And that to me is the most rewarding thing. It sounds so simple. And yet the, the ripple effect 
of that mindset and, and thinking in that way is so significant. And I really appreciate the, the parallel uh, between, you know, that feeling that you had in the boxing ring and knowing it felt right. And, and also, I mean, I don't know if it was the same feeling or feeling something similar when you met with Bobby and had that conversation or, you know, arriving on a daily basis to the work that you're doing at and with virtual gurus. Would you say that it's the same feeling or is it something different for you? I mean, is it just a simple knowing of, yes, this feels right? Or has it evolved over your life? I'm just curious between the two. And what does, what does that look like? It's a, it, is a, it has evolved. It's a lot of the same feeling. But this way, you know, now that I'm older, obviously, you know, this opportunity is nice because it's twofold where I get to focus on, you know, helping the whole world and helping myself at the same time where the boxing was more, it's, it saved my life, right? Because at the time I needed it so badly and I needed to focus on myself, right? Like I had to pull myself out of the gutter where now, like, you know, I, I live this amazing life. I have a beautiful wife and kids and this amazing job. So now I'm in a position to kind of give back and to, to approach my work with the same feeling that I approached the boxing with, which was gratitude. Like I was just so happy to be there that they had to kick me out every night. Right? Like I, I would have slept there if they let me. So to come to work, like I really enjoy doing the work. So I don't want to be anywhere else. I want to come and work. I want to keep getting more of what I'm enjoying, which is helping people and helping the business and having fun doing it. Like I, work with great people. Those great people help other great people. And it's every day. It's not, you know, every second Tuesday of the month, we get together and help out. It's every day. It's baked into everything we do. It's, it's why you and I have come together on some projects is because we're both in the tech ecosystem and we're, we have some, some big plans some big goals. And we're, you know, we're showing up every day as our authentic self and putting that forward that, you know, we're putting it out to the universe, what we want, and we're, you know, expecting it back and, and happily stewarding that forward. So I, I feel like I'm just lucky to be here every day. I'm lucky to be here. And I know I, I manage the sales team, but I feel like I work for them. You know, I'm here to support these, these folks as they work through their sales journey. And it's so fun to watch them help themselves while helping other people doing good work for you and others. That's where. You know, that's where life meets your dreams is where, like, when, when do you have the opportunity to do that? Right. Like, and I'm not saying that, you know, oil and gas is bad or any of these things are bad. Um, but working for a company that puts the people first, it's just been eye opening to me. And I would, would never ever want to work anywhere that didn't have that same, you know, that same position about everything. Every, Everything we do here is about being your yourself and being seen. And, you know, at first I, it took me a little while to, to trust, to be honest with you, is to trust what was being said. I, I was a little hesitant, but I can assure you now after being here for a year that, you know, it, it really is the place that it says it is. And I'm just, like I said, I'm just so happy to be here. I'm going to just pause on the, this piece of the virtual gurus conversation for a second. Cause I, there's a few things sure. I want to ask you about and then we'll loop back to that. But um it's really interesting just your comment about that trust piece because I, uh, you know, based on gosh, your life experience and, you know, things that you've done, things that you've overcome, things that you've dug a hole into and had to pick yourself out of. Um, 
you know, there's these parts of our lives and, and our experiences that are layers of who we are and, and getting to that space of trust, uh, especially with either a new team or a new company, it absolutely takes time. Uh, so I'm curious if you can just share just for the audience as well. Can you just share a little bit more about your professional journey with business? You know, I know you've um, started a couple of companies. You've worked in oil and gas previously. Can you share a little bit about that? Sure. Sorry. And then I have a follow-up question for you after that. Great question. Yeah. I mean, obviously being in Calgary, there's a heavy in oil and gas focus kind of in everything you do. So you know, I worked several years in the oil and gas industry, mostly in the on the software side, but you know, had a couple positions that really enjoyed and got to, you know, travel the world a bit, you know, and then obviously Alberta's somewhat uh, dependent on the price of oil. So there's been, you know, a couple events over the last 15 years that were really tough on my family, like the global financial crisis in 2008 was really hard. You know, people, everyone got laid off. And then again, in 2013, there was mass layoffs. And I remember feeling very unsafe at the time. And thinking, wow, I'm going to have to go now and find another job and do all these things and, you know, kind of start pushing rope uphill again just for it to happen the next time oil crashes. So at that point, I was like, I'm, I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm going to, I'm going to venture out and take a stab at this. And at the time, I was still boxing quite heavily and I was taking CBD oil for injuries. And, you know, it was illegal still at the time because it's cannabis derivative that you couldn't buy it anywhere. I was ordering it from this place in Vancouver and it would show up in this like black wrapped package. It was very dodgy at best. So I had the idea to start a cannabis clinic. So I hired a doctor. I opened the Herbal Relief Center on 17th Ave here in Calgary. And we started doing cannabis prescriptions for folks that needed access to cannabis that couldn't get it through a regular doctor. But as a business that blew up, it was extremely busy, um, extremely successful for the first couple of years. And, you know, as we started to see things change and as they legalized cannabis, it made sense to pivot and to, to get into the retail side of it. So I, I opened five stores here in Calgary, one, one in Olds, one in Edmonton. And we also decided to grow commercially in a place called Alberta Beach. So 86,000 square feet facility just outside of Edmonton. And we did that for a couple of years. And then we exited that business and, and sold, off, sold them to this company based out of Las Vegas. And that was in 2020. And I remember sitting down with my wife and we were all excited and, you know, hugs and handshakes. And she's like, well, what are you going to do with your life now? I'm like, oh, I'm going to take this time off and we're going to, you know, we're going to do all these fun things and I'm doing this and I'm never doing this again. And that lasted about 45 minutes. My daughter says to me, she's like, dad, let's start a business. So I thought dog walking was a great idea. You know, every Sunday we can go walk a giant pack of dogs and can teach her about money and saving and this and this. So I'm like, sure, honey, what do, what do you want to do? And she's like, we're opening an ice cream store. Okay. I'm like, well, what are we going to call it? She's like, Pinellos. Okay. I'm like, you've obviously put a lot of thought into this. She's like, but dad, we can't just sell ice cream. She's like, we got to be different. Like, well, what can we do? It's a Spanish name. Canelo, just so you know, is not only is he a famous boxer, but it's what we call my son. He's a redhead. So we, his nickname is Canelo. And she's like, well, it's a Spanish name. I'm like, why don't, why don't we do tacos? So we, you know, we kind of researched ice cream tacos and turned out there was no one doing it. So I thought, well, what a great idea. So we, we rented a little retail spot here in Calgary in the Killarney area and opened Canelo's ice cream in 2020. 
which, you know, believe it or not, was really successful and, and it, it took off and it was a lot of fun to, you know, to have that time with my daughter to really focus on, you know, spending quality time with her, but doing what I love to do, which is business and, and to, you know, to get her seeing me do these things, I thought was better than me telling her, right? Like I want her to say like, my dad's a hustler. You know, he took every shot he could. He took every opportunity he could. He barked up every tree possible. And, you know, he just didn't ever quit and just kept going. And there was times, I mean, 2020 was a tough year, right? Like COVID hits, the landlord's asking me, he's like, are you opening the spot or not? You know, I'm a hundred thousand dollars into this place. I couldn't just pull out. So we had to open the ice cream store in the middle of the worldwide pandemic. And I remember saying to my daughter, I'm like, things will never be perfect ever. Like if you're waiting for, you know, perfect timing for anything to happen, it's never going to happen. So, you know, I, looking back, I'm, I'm proud of the fact that we could open in during the pandemic and the fact that we survived somehow getting through all of that and coming out the other end with, with a stronger business model and, and a brand that we could be proud of. And, you know, a business being run in a way that I could be proud of, you know, like treating my employees fairly and, and paying them properly and, and just treating them like real people and, and making sure that they felt like they could come to work and, and be safe and, and to be heard and to be seen for who and what they are. I was quite proud of it and I'm still proud of it to this day. So the ice cream store, as much as, you know, obviously my, my sole focus is in the ice cream, it's something I'm very proud of because it's, Again, another, another opportunity that I could have just passed on, but I didn't. I, I took it. I worked with my daughter. I got pictures of her in a car seat, you know, <laughs> while I'm swinging a hammer in the background. So I just think it's something that I knew I would be very proud of later to, to revisit with my daughter and to be able to say, even for her to say, you know, I opened a business with my dad. And even though I did 99% of the work, in her mind, she was there working. She's proud of it, right? Like it's her brand. She helped design it all. She helped design the store. She helped design the flavors, the colors of the tacos. So I feel like for her, she's quite proud of it. And that, I mean, to me, that's the best thing in the world. Well, I, this journey is so awesome. You know, it's so cool. <laughs> you know, again, we can never predict what our path is going to look like in life. I mean, it can take so many twists and turns. And who would have been able to predict that you would have, you know, after, you know, oil and gas and, you know, the, the economic challenges there. Okay. Now you're stepping into a business that you wouldn't have been able to anticipate with the CBD or the cannabis because it was just something that you were doing for yourself to help heal from injury. And then all of a sudden it becomes this unexpected, successful, you know, business, which I, I want to always tie back to these like really core parts of ourselves with who we are as kids, you know, and this, this ability that you clearly have had uh, throughout your life to roll and adapt as best as you could. And, and it sounds like that's always been at the forefront of you know, not just the businesses that you've been building, but the teams that you've been building along the way um, and your mindset as a leader. And I think in the context of your daughter, like she was truly the spark for it, you know, like sure. even if she's not necessarily, like she's not the one investing, you know, the money per se, but she was a catalyst and an inspiration. And she was a very significant part of that. And what a cool 
experience for you and her and the family to have building something like that. So she must have been, how old was she when it opened? Seven? Like during, like six? She was six. Okay. And my son, so, my son was like still in a, still in a car seat. Oh my gosh. So I have a question related to your, your family. And uh, I know how important they are to you. So I'm wondering like, if you can share a lesson that you've learned from your wife, your son and your daughter in the last year, what would that be? In the last year? Wow. I mean, I, I, I learn every day and you know, it's hard for me to even talk about them because I get so choked up because I just love them so much. But I think one of the, and I don't know why this is coming to mind right now, but this goes back a, a long way, but you know, having a daughter and being a new parent and doing those things, like you stress out about things that you probably shouldn't. And you know, you're, you're haven't slept forever and you're, you know, you're worried about certain things and, and, you know, you look back and it's like, oh, they didn't matter at all. But I just remember there was this time in my living room where my daughter spilled, uh, I think it was cereal, lots of milk, cereal everywhere. Right. And I stand up and I'm like, oh, my daughter stands up. She goes, dad, first spill of the day. And I remember thinking like, wow, like the, the percent, the way she was looking at it was like, whatever accidents have first one today like it was like a positive like oh yeah there's milk in the carpet cool <laughs> like whatever so it was just and i'll remember that forever and i even think about it now like i come to work and it's like okay first fire of the day because today's problems are today's problems no matter what and tomorrow's problems will be tomorrow's problems there's never going to be a day without it so getting upset about these little things you're never going to get anywhere like you'll just you'll never accomplish anything if you're worried about these small little things. So even to this day now, when we spill something in my house, someone says, first spill of the day. And it's just a nice way to remind everybody that to not take everything so serious that, yeah, there probably is still milk in my carpet, but who cares? Who cares? Right? Like my kids are healthy and happy. That's all that matters. They, they don't like, you know, you can take your kid to Disneyland or you could take your kid to the best Western in Drumheller and they are going to be equally as happy because they're with you and they're just living their lives. And it's like, if you can be happy, you know, if I can be Jesse, whether I'm at work or whether I'm in a, a bad situation or a fun situation, but if I can just always be me, that's where you want to get as a person, right? And I didn't learn that lesson until I was 36 years old and it was from a two-year-old again so unexpected right in that moment i mean it's so interesting how these memories can pop up for us for us and they're so vivid oh yeah you know and those are those are really pinnacle uh moments in our life and it's it's interesting that that came up i'm just thinking even of my own life right now um you know i've I've said this before, but breaking my leg very badly in the fall and finding out recently that I have to have another surgery because I the titanium pins, the three of the 16 that are in there have broken. Oh, wow. And, you know, all of this stuff. And yeah, anyway, it's a long story, but I'm trying to bring myself back to this place of, okay, what can I choose right now? Can I... And don't get me wrong, like I... I I have moments where I'm super bummed about either that or different things that are happening. And I also think it's important too, just in the context of what we've been talking about throughout this whole conversation, like nothing is necessary. Like nothing is easy all the time. Nothing is, uh, you know, happy and light all the time. There's challenges, right? That come up. But in those moments, and I'm really getting this from you as well, is that we have a choice and 
keeping it simple in those moments of, okay, um, am I going to choose this or this? It doesn't have to be comp K. So like for myself, I'm like, okay, if I know that I'm going to be wearing this stupid air cast for the next three months, because I can't get into surgery until then, blah, 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 blah. Okay, I'm choosing to make the best of it as best as I can. Um, so like, how do you feel about that? Because it sounds like you you find yourself coming to that place often. And it's neat that, you know, your family and, and your kids and your wife are also that reminder of, okay, what choice do I have in this moment? Um, do you ha- just have any thoughts on that? Because that's really coming through for me with what we've been talking about. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And it's very similar to your own is, um, I, so I injured myself boxing and I remember I had to go to the doctor and the doctor's like, you'll never fight again. It's like, it's over. Like you essentially don't even get hit in the head again. I call my wife. I was crying in the car. Like, Oh honey, I'm never going to fight again. And I was so upset. Um, and you know, I was literally crying on the phone and my wife, as soon as I kind of had a break, she's like, are you done? She's like, I get it. You're upset. That's fine. Be upset. Um, she's like, but you're a fighter. What are you going to do? And it was like a quiet on the phone. And I was like thinking to myself, well, first of all, who is, who am I talking to? But, um, you know, I just said, I'm like, well, then I, I guess I'll, I'll keep fighting. She's like, well, that's what I figured. She's like, who cares what these people say? Like, what are you going to do? Like, are you done fighting? And if not, then great, go and fight. If you're done, are you going to quit boxing? She's like, of course not. You love it. It's everything. Just open a gym. And I remember driving home teary-eyed and thinking, okay, well, my options aren't that bad. I can either fight again and maybe not be the same fighter that I was before, but I don't care. I still want to do it. Or I could potentially pivot right now, open a gym and start giving back to the people what I love so much about boxing. And I remember by the time I got home, I was actually leaning towards opening the gym. You know, like, as much as I had stuff to, that I wanted to com, to still do as a fighter, um, the thought of helping other people with what I love all of a sudden was like, oh, wow, really? Like, you know, I can give this back to someone. So in 2010, I opened Legacy Boxing Club. And, you know, 13 years later, we're the biggest boxing club in the whole city. I've had several or hundreds of people come through the gym and fight for me and to to, some people still are there today as professionals as like I have a kid that's been with me since he's 17 years old. He's 30 now. He's a six and oh as a professional. He's going to fight for a Canadian title soon. Like I couldn't be more proud of the kid. And that, that goes to everyone that's ever walked through my door. Like I've had hundreds of kids come through there. And I think back like, you know, the fighting is fun and it's cool and all, but the parts I'm most proud about in boxing was helping other people enjoy it the same way I do or to use it as a bit of a, a ladder to get yourself out of a bad situation. Like boxing calls a different type of person. It really does. Like it's, we all, whether you're, you know, you're from whatever walk of life, when you're in the boxing gym, Jim, you all share this kind of strange reason for being there and for wanting to push yourself and to wanting to be in an individual sport, but still needing a group of people to get you to where you need to go. Um, so now like, I'm so proud of the people that have come there and move on. Like I got kids that came when they were 15 and they were struggling. And now they're like, I got a kid, he's in the army, two guys that are in the army and they just, you know, like they're living their best lives. They're 
you know, they're, they're on to bigger and better things every day. I had a, a, a gentleman from the Ukraine come to me like maybe 10 years ago, didn't speak a lick of English, was really struggling to find his way in Canada. And just the other day, I saw him in the plus 15. He's working for Netson. He's got a finance degree and he's just like this happy, proud young man. And that makes me so happy because if, if that kid had not grabbed something, he would have gone down the wrong path. I've seen other kids who've come and have not been able to make it and they end up in a bad situation. So for seeing guys like Yevgeny do that, it makes me so proud because that I'm having a real effect on other people's lives. Just punching people in the face is it's not a lofty goal, right? It's, you're not helping anybody that way. And it doesn't always have to be about helping someone else. But as you get a little older, you realize the how amazing and how good it feels to do good. And when you can pass on your love for something, it just, it doesn't take away from it. It duplicates it or it, it creates even more of it. So now I have this boxing club with over a hundred students that all love boxing because of something I introduced them to. So, I mean, that's something I can hang my hat on and be super proud of. So interesting to think of the, the thread and tying it back to uh, not just the injury, but that conversation with your wife and her just kind of saying like, well, what are you going to do? So I'm curious for you, yeah. um, if you, you know, because anybody that's listening now as well, I'm sure is navigating some kind of shit sandwich in a way or something that's coming up. What would, what are, what are some questions or something that you could throw out there for people that might be helpful to in that moment when you're in it, when you're in the shit storm? What could be something they could ask themselves, uh, do, uh, reach out to? Like, I'm just curious, um, what comes to mind for you? Because sure. sometimes those really tangible things can be helpful uh, for any of us. Great question. Um, <laughs> great question, Dan. Um, I mean, a couple of things jump to mind. Uh, you know, everything is going to be okay. Everything. Everything you're dealing with is going to be okay. Uh, even that thing, too, that you're thinking, it'll be okay, too. And that. It'll, it's all going to be fine. But it's easier said than done. You know, living through some of these life-forming experiences is tough, right? I think for me, the way, the things I would say to myself was, you know, is just don't quit. It's the second you quit, the fight's over. And then that's the finality of it. If you quit, if you keep fighting, no matter what, whether you're winning or losing, you know, whether it's a hundred year battle or a one day battle, as long as you're still fighting, you're still in it, you still have a chance, you still are, are going towards your goal. So, you know, I'm big on quotes and um, I always have been, but there's one from Winston Churchill and he, and he said, and this is during World War II, so people were literally dying. He said, if you're going through hell right now, like if right now you're just in it, just keep going. If you're going through hell, keep going. And, you know, for me, it was, I don't know if I was just too, squid, too scared to quit or I really wanted to get through it, but either way, not quitting was it. And there's been times where even though I didn't quit, it wasn't pretty. <laughs> it wasn't awesome. It wasn't this, you know, unicorns and rainbows. But because I hadn't quit, it wasn't the end. There was always going to be another chapter. There was always going to be another day as long as you didn't quit. So same with the ice cream store, same with the cannabis store, same with any other business I've had, they don't just open up and be successful, right? And it's so easy to want to quit because 
it's just easy. You know, anytime that there's trouble, it's so much easier to quit. And I think just knowing myself and knowing that I wanted to quit when things were hard, I could identify when I had to keep going is no different than anyone else. I definitely wanted to quit when, you know, the doctor said, quit, you're, you're injured. I was like, okay, cool. I'll just quit. Or the ice cream store can't open because it's COVID. It's like, okay, cool. We're not opening it. You know, it's so easy just to be like, oh, okay, I'm not good enough or the idea is not good enough or my plan's not good enough. But you know, if you can kind of hunker down and, and roll with the punches, you will come out the other end. And as long as you don't quit, then you'll have another opportunity. And you know, it's like anything in life when something good happens and it's done, you're like, okay, well, it's, it's done. Like what, what next? That, that happiness moment is they come and go so fast. So life is always about kind of looking towards the horizon. Like, what do I have next? You know, you're, you're a young single guy and you're like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to meet a woman. I'm going to get married. I'm going to have kids. And I'm going to have this career. And then it's like, well, what are these next steps that are going to come after? And I just always tell myself that no matter what step I'm on or no matter what place I'm at, just going to keep going no matter what, even when I'm, you know, 80 years old and I'm that old guy, I just want, I'm never going to quit. I don't care what it is. I don't care what the reason is. No, I'm just never going to quit. And I would hope that my kids at the end of the day will say, you know, whether they agree with what I did or not, they agree with the fact that not quitting was the most important part. Like, I don't care if my kids want to box. I don't care if they want to be entrepreneurial. I don't care about anything other than their their overall happiness. But I want to be able to show them what I think is important. Not tell them because it's not going to matter. But if they say, you know what? My dad opened so many businesses and you know he he fought through injuries and he he just never quit. That if they can describe me that way when I'm not around, I feel like I've done a good job raising my kids. So powerful. So in that moment it comes down to are you going to quit or not? Yes or no. Yep. And and it it's it steps from that point. And I'm curious as well because I want to hear about how you and Bobby know each other. Sure. Um and how how did that conversation uh how did that conversation start? And and I'm I'm coming to this question next because from what I understand and know of Bobby, um like she's of the same mindset, you know? Oh, it's, sure. it's, you have to keep moving forward. So I'm just curious, can you tell me about that relationship and sure. how long you've known each other and, and how did that conversation start with stepping into being part of that amazing team at Virtual Gurus? Sure, it actually goes back quite a long time. So in 2016, Bobby was working in oil and gas and she was laid off and realized that there was all these barriers for her to get a job again. And whether that meant or whether it was because she was from the LGBTQ plus community or she was indigenous, or she was a woman, or whatever it might be, or a combination of all those things, she was not getting a job. She was being treated differently. She was being overlooked, even though she was very experienced and had all of the all the certifications you could possibly need. And she thought to herself, why is this happening? Like, why am I being overlooked? And she's like, you know what? There's got to be other people just like me that are dealing with this same thing. So she's that's how virtual gurus became is she's like, well, I'm going to be the first virtual guru and I'm going to build this company, but I'm going to give preferential treatment to people who have had barriers to, to employment or people that have felt the same 
you know, discrimination that I felt or the, you know, being overlooked because they're from the gay community or because they're indigenous or whatever it is. She's like, you know, I can't be the only one. So she starts, you know, looking into this business idea and this untapped workforce and realize, yeah, you aren't the only one. There's thousands of people out there that are feeling like they can't be themselves or that they can't be their authentic self. Like they can't show up to work and, you know, Bobby's covered in tattoos. She's got a cool haircut. She looks, she looks like Bobby, right? So if someone wasn't feeling that vibe, they might be like, no, I don't, I don't want that. But, but that's Bobby, right? Like she can't be anything that she's not because she's just Bobby. So in 2016, I reached out to her and she was just starting virtual gurus. It was kind of starting to become a real business. And she was, she was scaling. She was looking at growing the team and I was in the investing world. So we just, we had a quick chat there and nothing happened in 2016, but we connected and, and stayed in touch. And I was just essentially a fan of Bobby for the last, you know, five or six years as she, you know, she grew the business and it, she, she exploded the business by being herself and by, going out there and saying, look, I'm going to be the one that stands up and says, here's what I'm facing. I'm not having it anymore. And I refuse to accept it. And here's what I'm going to do. Who wants to join me? And there's sure a lot of people that were like, wow, that is exactly me. And yeah, I would love an opportunity to have, you know, meaningful employment, you know, to become who I want to become and not, you know, some you're not, not digging a ditch somewhere in the middle of nowhere. That's not going to help you become the person you want to be, but to work in the field that you choose and that you want to experience in. And so Bobby taking that idea builds this platform that allows people to work from, you know, essentially anywhere in the world, but North America focused and to get meaningful employment with companies that are, they're dying to have skilled employees as well. So it was this beautiful marriage between, you know, business and social impact. You know, so to, and Bobby will say this is we're a social impact company that makes money because everything that she does, everything that she says is about the people and is about the impact that we're having. So, you know, there's constantly these discussions that are happening about, you know, are we doing, are we leading with what we say we are? You know, are we putting people, are we putting people first? Are we making an impact? Are we helping underrepresented folks find employment? If we can check those three boxes, then go forward. And as the director of partnerships, there's often times where I'll bring her an opportunity and she'll say exactly that. Is it helping our community? Is it helping people? Is it helping virtual gurus help more people? And if not, we're not interested. So it's, it's eye opening and, but refreshing when your leader, you know, they not only say what they're going to do and do what they're going to say, but they live it. Like there is no room here at BG for fakeness. Like if you don't 100% believe in what we're doing and if you don't think that it's awesome to help people and to make money, then this is not the spot for you. So everyone works really, really hard here because everyone cares. And it's, you know, it's fun. Like you, I come to work and I got to step over two or three dogs and I got to high five five or six people and everyone, you know, like from the way they dress, from the way they talk, from the way they eat their lunch, it's them, their authentic selves. And it's like, I've got to meet, there's almost 50 people that work here in head office and no two of us are the same. So it's quite fun. Like this morning I had coffee with Mayoa. He's this Nigerian guy. He's just the coolest dude I think I've ever met. Don't tell him that. You know, just understanding where he's from and some of the stuff that, you know, he's experienced in his life. Like 
it's so cool for me. And then I go to another office and it's, you know, I'm dealing with someone who's from India and they just got here and they're, they're wearing a winter coat in the middle of summer. And they're like, you know, it's just fun, like getting to know people and then working together for the common good. I mean, it, for myself, I couldn't work somewhere now that wasn't checking those boxes for me. Beautifully said. And uh, yeah, I just want to go and hang out. <laughs> Come on down. Like, hang out with you guys. Actually, yeah, which I know that I could. Uh, I'm, I'm curious um, because I, I think a lot of folks listening to this conversation could resonate with that piece that you talked about earlier of the trust and sort of stepping into something new and it taking time to not necessarily, how do I want to word this? It's not that you can't trust those people. It's the recognition of these like underlying mental models or beliefs that you have within yourself and unlearning those things uh, that are stemming from whether it's past trauma, experience, life shift, whatever. Uh, so so that trusting piece and and that sort of peeling back i think is is something that many people can relate to what was that process like for you when you joined the team because clearly um you know with with bobby and the vision and you know her being and doing and modeling it in in real life every single day and then building the team out to be doing the same thing uh that's so important. And I think stepping into that can be so awesome, but maybe overwhelming as well with the things that can come up unexpectedly. Sure. So I'm just wondering if you can talk about that, that evolution of trust for yourself when you joined Virtual Gurus. Sure. Great question. You know, for me, trust is earned. So even though someone can tell you something and, you know, we can write our values on the wall, which we do, uh, you know, that's one part of it, but living it is the second part. So, you know, within the first couple of days of being here, just the way that we discuss ideas or the way we talk to each other and the way that we move forward on projects. And it's, it's everything that they said is showing up every day. So you're like, okay, well, you know, like anything in life, you have to distinguish whether what's being told to you is the truth versus what you're actually seeing. Right. So there was hesitation when I first started, not even hesitation, but I was like, you know, I was a little bit like, okay, I'm watching you guys. You say that you know, we're this company that trusts and, and we do this and this and this. I'm watching very carefully to see if that's true. So, you know, I can't think of one individual, uh, you know, event that happened, but it's, it's in everything that we do. It's in, it's how we hire people, how we fire people, how we, how we discuss the things that we want to do, how we place responsibility on people for certain projects to do certain things and, and to be responsible for stuff and then to truly own it. Like there's, Bobby as a mentor is fantastic because she's kind of like, a, you know, that old person on the, on the swing carving an apple with a knife kind of wisdom where she'll say to me at the end of our conversation, what are you going to do? You know, she's like, I trust you as a leader. Here's what I, I would probably do, but what are you going to do? And let me know how it, how it goes. So it's, it's freeing when you have that much trust where she trusts me and she, she gives me the, the, the rope to do the things that I want to do. Uh, but it also motivates you almost to do a better job because you know someone's trusting you and fully full trust. Like she's here's your team, go do what you think you should do. So you're, you're like, okay, well I have the full support of my of my team, but I also have a little bit of room here to kind of freestyle it. Like you know, 
how do I want to do things? Like how I look at a problem is different than everyone else. So let Jesse take the first crack at it. And if he needs help, we're here to guide him. But let's trust his experiences to do what we want done. And like you're never left on your own, but you are definitely you no know, charged with a job and given the room to go and do it. And as a professional, that's you couldn't ask for a better working situation because you know, I'm essentially manage myself, but I have the support of the people that I need. Amazing. I, I'm curious with what you're doing in the team that you're working with. I'm, and I mean, the, the, the sales and the partnerships uh, piece. I don't know how it's exactly structured, but I'm curious, you know, with, with that particular, you know, uh, area of the business, what are you really excited about in the next, I don't know, it's hard to predict the year, but like, what are you really looking forward to when it comes to the partnerships piece, especially because uh, obviously what Virtual Gurus is founded in and, and so rooted in are these values of inclusivity, um, authenticity, and, um, and equity and opportunity. So I'm curious, like for the partnerships piece, like what are you really looking forward to and, and what's, what's sort of the, the star that's guiding uh, those partnerships, sure. you know, in the next, in the next while. Yeah. Great question. So we have, and this is maybe an eternal thing, but we have what we call the three-legged stool. So if it doesn't help our virtual assistants, which are the people that are actually do the work, or it doesn't help our community as a whole, or it doesn't help virtual gurus help other people and the community. If it doesn't check all three boxes, we don't do them. So partnerships for us, even though some of them are, you know, revenue generating, where we really try to focus is aligning ourselves with other businesses that have the same, you know, kind of social awareness that we have and the same, you know, mandate to do good. You know, so partnering with companies like, I don't know, Inception U for one, you know, great Calgary based company that has taken a different approach to learning. And not only that, they foster this community of learning and this community of sharing and the things that I'm really not used to, to be honest with you. Because in oil and gas, you had to really keep your cards close to your chest. There wasn't a lot of collaboration with other companies or with other stuff. You know, it was, it was very competitive where for myself and a lot of the partnerships that I'm most interested in are ones that are going to help everybody. You know, like the old adage, a rising tide lifts all boats. And it's so true is when companies like myself or Inception U or whomever it is can partner together, you know, it just, it creates this safe space for business to grow. And it's such a collaborative, you know, process that you kind of have to just go and you know, kind of hat in hand, be like, where can I help? Where can I, where can I lend a hand? Who, who could benefit from chatting with me for five minutes or who could I make an intro for that would help their business grow without thinking, well, what's in it for me? And that to me, it's like, if we all keep meeting in this spot with the attitude of how can we help? I mean, and the things that we can accomplish together, you know, the sky's the limit at that point. So. You know, I wish I had been in tech uh, a lot longer because I, I had no idea that there was this community of like-minded professionals that just wanted to help. And for no other reason than it feels good to help. You know, so being in that positive space every day, like it's, it's very, it's very close to my heart because I feel like I'm, I'm home. I where I'm where I want to be. 
Um, and you know, it's a, it's a nice feeling because for a lot of my life, I didn't feel like I had a home. You know, I was always constantly trying to just reinvent myself or, you know, trying to figure out who I wanted to be and, and, and where and when I wanted to be that person. Um, you know, and coming here and watching Bobby, I kind of realized that it's not actually a, a place or a time. It's ongoing. And it's this mindset that if now I live in this mindset, so it doesn't matter where I am or when I am, because I just want to help and I don't want anything for it. And really, I'm not trying to be you no know, super altruistic or anything, but if you can take the approach that I don't personally need anything, but I can really help and I'm here to help anybody with anything, you know, when you're with other people that take that same approach, it just, it's so collaborative and everybody helps everybody that if we could duplicate that in other parts of the world, we'd be in, we'd live in a, in a very different world. And so I'm excited to live in this positive ecosystem every day. Makes me think of, uh, so a few years ago, I, I read a book uh, called Fascinate and it was by an author called Sally Hogshead. And she, her work is really based around uh, becoming aware of what others find fascinating in you. So it's, there's a, you know, a bunch of research behind that. But I remember listening to an interview she did with uh, Marie Forleo and she was talking about, you know, individuals, but I think you can think of it in terms of the businesses and even with what you're talking about with the partnerships of, um, you know, thinking of it in terms of ice cream, which I think is also sort of serendipitous with what you were talking about previously with um, Canelo's and, you know, the business that you started with your daughter. There's lots of kind of ice cream out there, right? And the, like, if you think of it in terms of maybe two flavors, the vanilla ice cream is an ice cream that you know, everybody generally will eat, right? Or, you know, mix with a dessert or whatever. Pistachio ice cream is ice cream that not, it, it's a niche ice cream, you know, like, and the people that love pistachio ice cream love pistachio ice cream. Love it. And it just makes me think of, yep. uh, you know, what you're talking about with the partnerships. Like, you don't have to build that with everybody. Um, and you don't have to be everything for everyone at all times, but really focusing intentionally on, you know, the mission of virtual gurus and who you are as people, obviously within the company and, and forming it from there, I think is such a beautiful pistachio ice cream approach to building those relationships because you're working with and alongside and building relationships with people that are aligned, right? Um, so I just wanted to comment mm -hmm. on that because it, it, it made me think of that. Um, so I do want to kind of bring the conversation to a close and, uh, what I'm going to do, and you didn't, you don't know if I'm going to, I didn't give Jesse a heads up that I was going to do this, but, uh, you know, years ago, I, uh, I started, you know, when I was doing my master's in the States, I was asking a lot of questions, you know, on my research and what I was doing, um, in and around like reconnecting with you know, um, purpose and, and especially in the world of education and in many lines of work, it's so easy to get, um, pulled away from that original draw to why you're there in the first place. And, um, you know, I just started creating some resources for educators to connect and have honest conversation and, you know, teenagers or the kids that I was working with to be able to sit down and, you know, learn about each other in a really cool, authentic way, but also recognize the things that we have in common and 
And so what I'm going to do is just give you a series of prompts, Jesse, and I just want you to tell me what comes to mind. Okay. So it's kind of, it's sort of a game. Got it. Okay. And, uh, and I don't know, I, I, I pulled a couple of cards, but I don't know which prompts are coming up or what, what's coming down the pipe. So to everybody listening, this isn't planned, but, um, you know, I think this is a really nice way to, to wrap the conversation and, uh, you know, just a great reminder of, Connecting with your authentic self and who you are and taking that into the world. So, are you ready, Jesse? I'm ready. Okay. A current dilemma I am facing is... Jen, with the heavy hitters right away. Current dilemma is... Wow. One sentence answer? Um, one, se- one sentence answer. I need to... Mm-hmm. I need to find ways to explore the things that I don't know better. Okay. Right now, I'm fully committed to uh, becoming a better person. My biggest fan is my biggest fan. Uh, probably my wife. Love you, honey. I, <laughs> I wonder if there's a better way to. Wonder if there is a better way to be a leader. Blank helps me get outside of my comfort zone. Ooh, work. My superpower is. My secret power is. Oh, good question, Dan. I'm I'm very resilient. I was going to say right hook, but resilient. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, to me, adventure is not knowing, just going. I'm my most genuine self when my most genuine self uh, when I'm with my family. I feel joyful when when I'm with my family. A question that recently pushed my thinking was... Question? Hmm. Maybe this question was the first question that got me to challenge my thinking. Um, also, <laughs> well, you know what? Me. Yeah, I'm curious. Yeah. Doing, doing this game with you the first time was extremely eye-opening for me. Like learning at that table and you know the event we're talking mm-hmm. about. When I left there, I was like, wow. Because so I have got a little preview to this game before um, in a larger group setting. And I was blown away at how much I felt I knew those people after doing it. Love it. Thank you for sharing that. Okay. I have a couple more prompts for you. Okay. Uh, I, would, I, would, I would describe this genera- generation of youth as... Promising. In 10 years, I hope to... Still be as happy as I am today. I gain the trust of others by... Being honest. And the last one is, it takes courage to... Love. All right. So on that note, Jesse, is there anything else that you want to share, throw out there, celebrate, acknowledge before we uh, before we wrap? Yeah, I'd like to acknowledge and celebrate you. I appreciate everything you do, Jen. I appreciate all the time we spend together. And uh, I know it hasn't been a, a super long time, but it's been a great time. And I look forward to working with you in the future and getting to know you even better. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for that. And uh, to everybody listening, thank you for being here. Thank you for taking the time and creating the space for this conversation to be a part of your day and uh, share it out, share it out with others. And, uh, you know, we're grateful that you are doing the work that you're doing. And as Jesse said, and I think this is a great way to to wrap, uh, don't quit. You have a choice in that moment and always choose to take a small step forward. So Jesse, big shout out to you. Shout out to virtual gurus and, uh, and all of you out there that are doing the work that are navigating 
you know, the ups and the downs and the twists and the turns. And just remember that you're doing it. You're here. And, uh, and it's one step at a time. So thanks again. Thanks, have Jeff. a wonderful day, everybody. And hug the ones you love. If you haven't already, visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-sourced, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This episode was brought to you by New Idea Machine. Going beyond creating custom software solutions, NIM is dedicated to making a positive impact on society, providing opportunities for new software developers to gain real-world experience and contribute to meaningful projects. You get quality, affordable solutions at the same time you're supporting the growth and development of the next generation of skilled talent. Visit newideamachine.com for more info. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>